Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to My Millennial Property. Emily and John here. We are taking a break. This time of year, everybody takes a little break. It's sort of a universal rule that December, January, we go slow. So we do have a replay episode for you today. And John, this one is actually probably the most common question we get asked. And it's all about turning your primary place of residence into an investment property and then sort of upsizing. Do I keep my first home that I bought? Do I flip it to an investment? Do I release the equity? We just hear this all the time, don't we? Yes, we do, Emily. And there's lots of options up your sleeve and, and, and often too many. So yeah, take a deep dive into this. It's an awesome episode. We, we think so anyway. Yeah. And you might be upsizing for the new year. Maybe you've got kids going to a different school. Maybe you have outgrown your current home. I know that's often an issue is homes become too small. So this will help you plan for what to do next and at least give you some ideas to consider and maybe consult a professional about how to take the next step. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to My Millennial Property with John Pigeon and Emily Wallace. Today we're talking about turning our principal place of residence into an investment property. It's actually been a really common one, John, that's popped up in the Facebook group. People navigating first home, now upsizing. Should they keep it as an investment property? Should they sell it? What do they do? I think it's a case scenario that can apply to a lot of people. So it deserves its own episode, basically. We're unpacking it in full. We're going to pull it apart piece by piece. So join us for the ride. All right. So what's your high level commentary on this? High level commentary is that I think the biggest thing that people underestimate is that they have choice in this situation. Some people simply go, well, I want to buy another property. So I'll just sell the existing one I have and I'll just upsize. I'll just go again. I'll get a good sold result. I'll have some cash and away I go. I actually find that not many people truly consider their options and work out a what if scenario on keeping their current one. And do, you, do you find that that's maybe because who they've spoken to in lead up to that? It's like, oh, mum or dad said do this or I just think this was the norm so that's what I'm doing? Yeah, I think overall a lack of education or a lack of questioning really, mm. you know, what are my options rather than, well, I need to buy so I'll just sell. I mean, it's obvious when you have a car, right? You want to upgrade, you sell your old one, you get a new yeah, one. Yeah. House is a bit different. Unless you're Glenn. Yeah, unless yeah. you're Glenn. <laughs> so, and, and, and so many people say, well, I wish I held on to that property versus I should have sold that property. Um, so, hindsight's a wonderful thing. So, we want to avoid that whole, I've got regret, I didn't play out enough scenarios, I didn't run my numbers close enough. But we also realise that financially it just might not be viable. Yeah, correct. There might not be an option to hold it. I also think that comes back to, though, let's even go one step further back. When you secure your first property, you need to understand the intentions of that purchase. Mm. If it is ultimately to then hold it after five years as an investment and springboard you into your next home, then there could be properties that stack up and there could be some that don't. Yeah, absolutely. And turning our owner rock into an investment property might also depend on what we're doing with this next purchase. Are we renting 
and being a rent vester mm. or are we upgrading our owner rock? There's a few scenarios there. Correct. And that can come about depending on like a lot of, you know, classic first home buyers, they get in a certain price point with stamp duty exemptions and they have to live in the property for a set amount of time. Then they go to rent vesting and then they might upsize later down the track. Like there's so many, everyone's got an individual case scenario as to what their property journey looks like. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is understanding A, the choice and then B, if it is the case of holding as an investment property, what do I actually need to physically do? Yeah. Okay. So let's unpack that, shall we? So in no particular order, uh, I think we need to understand the cash flow in our life, don't we? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We need to say, well, this is how much I'm saving at the moment. Um, if I continue on this path, what's the running cost of that property if I should rent it out? So I've just taken an example here, Emily. So run with me on this one. Okay. The value of my owner rock is 700k. So I've got that rent uh, I've got that sales appraisal from three agents say. So. Okay. My loan as it stands today is 450. So if I sell the property, agent takes 2%, uh, I've got some associated costs, let's call it 20 grand. Uh, that brings me and I get a, a sale of 680. I'm going to no, sorry, a, a sale of 700. Uh, my net is 680. Minus the four fifty loan, my math serves me well. It's two hundred thirty grand. Correct. <laughs> so two hundred thirty k is what I will have in my bank balance. Yep. To go and buy my upgraded owner rock, if that's what I choose to do, mm-hmm. or that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So if I don't sell it, will I have enough of a deposit to go and buy what I want to buy? Because you can only buy property with cash or equity, as far as I know. Yes. Bitcoin or something? No. <laughs> I think there's a thing called Bitcoin, but I'm we not going there with that. No. So it's cash or equity. Now, the critical part of buying our owner rock with equity is that it's non-tax deductible. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm basically loaning 102% of the property when I include stamps yep. for something that's not tax deductible. Mm-hmm. I'm not a massive fan of that, are you? Not really. No. No, it doesn't make a lot of sense. So a lot of it leans towards selling the property, taking my 230 and going and buying my owner rock mm-hmm. and upgrading essentially. Yeah. As long as I can handle that loan. So many indicators and so many factors, right? It's not as black and white as that. Now, that 230 might be sweet. But you might be saying to yourself, well, I, I want to keep that property. I know that it's going to be a good long-term performer. Mm-hmm. So in, in 10 years' time, the 700 might be worth 1.5. Yep. And there's another 800 that I couldn't have saved. Correct. You can't, surely you can't save at that rate across 10 years. No, unless, unless you're a plumber. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've got this plumbing mate that I train with and oh, I okay. give it to him all the time about how much money he charges per hour. <laughs> Sorry to the plumbers out there, but you get what I mean. So what's the alternative? Well, the alternative is go back five years when you first bought this owner rock, mm. knowing that you wanted to upgrade at some stage and be really cash heavy for that time that comes where I've also saved my 200 along the journey yes, so that I don't have to use equity for the property to buy my own rock. That's my ideal scenario. Yeah, so you effectively, as soon as you've bought, you're then saving deposit for the next one. Yes. Yeah. 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 Which makes sense. Which does, yeah. And you, in the meantime, because it's your own rock, you can have that saving sitting in your offset account, um, paying down the, 
the principal or you might not even pay it down. It might be interest only because you know that you're going to turn it into an investment property um, further down the track if that's a three to five year sort of plan. If it's a 15 year plan, then different story. The only problem I could foresee with that in terms of starting to save for your deposit for your next property as you just secure the first is that you've just taken on a mortgage. So your savings rate yes. might not be as solid. It might take a little bit longer to get there. But you could also see yourself progressing in your career. You could have you know pay increases, bonuses that could contribute to that deposit. Yes. Uh, but I think a bit of planning behind this wouldn't go astray. Yeah. And, and that's the... F- I suppose, unfortunate part about this question is we're doing this a lot of the time on a whim, aren't we? Mm. Where we're waking up one day and saying, oh, I'd love to upgrade. It's a great time to buy. We can borrow that amount, which sounds exciting. Now, which way do I go with it? Well, we we should have been thinking about this three years ago. You got to set it up properly. Mm. So for those that are sort of in the position where they don't own any property now, but are thinking about it, tuning in, you you should be saying to yourself, which we always talk about, think about the second purchase before you purchase the first one. Yeah. Uh, we, regardless of whether we're talking owner or investment, we should always be thinking about that next play. Just thinking out loud here, I mean, there could be case scenarios where it is your first home, you've taken advantage of the grants and all the rest of it, and you've hit a point where you're then dedicated to the upsizer, you know, to the sort of 10 to 15 year plan, but you're not quite there yet in cash savings. Mm. For some people, that might mean moving back home with mum and dad for a bit yes, and actually being in the process of flipping that to an investment in the interim, not, you know, maybe you break even, maybe your, your rental income covers your mortgage repayments and outgoings and stuff. Yep. And then you're back with mum and dad saving to then go again, drop, which is drop n- the not ego. a bad strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Drop the ego and, and look at the long-term plan. Mm. What do we call that? What do we call that? Free vesting. Oh, free vesting. Oh, yes, your favourite term. <laughs> free vesting. That's getting back home and saving a truckload of money. Yeah. So, yeah, so for in, in our 20s, we can do that. Now, it might not be the coolest thing to do to move back home when we're 27, when all of our friends are out renting or owning, but it's it's your life. Yeah, do what you want. Because this is the exciting bit about what I'm about to say. Mm. It can fast track your retirement by 10 years. Yeah. You, you get into a property five years before or three years before because you've moved home and the market in that period grows to a level that you couldn't have saved. Yeah, correct. Right, so you're creating that wealth a lot earlier than you otherwise would or otherwise what your peers are doing, which is basically just living life on their terms but it's uh, they're getting consumed by all the mortgage debt. And if you don't have the option to move back in with mum and dad in that period of time, maybe it is reducing your outgoings or your lifestyle. Maybe you do find yourself with a housemate or, you know, uh, renting somewhere that's not super expensive or cutting back on certain things to fast track your savings. There are so many episodes across My Millennial Money, across ours as well, about saving for deposits or where we can sort of make that happen faster. But just to be aware that you, you do have choice. Yeah, there's extreme choice. So that that probably leads it to a lifestyle thing is, well, what do you want from a lifestyle perspective in the next three to five years? And if it is moving out of that property and renting for a period of time, mm-hmm. that's okay. But then understand the running costs of that property that you've just rented out. 
Yeah. So using that example back before, the loan was sitting at 450. So getting some rental appraisals long before you try to sell or rent it out. So what's the running cost of that property just standalone? Right. So 450 loan if it rents for I don't know, if it's worth 700K in Melbourne, what do you think it's renting for? 500 a week? Yeah, about that. It's a bedroom apartment. Yeah. So that's 25 grand a year, give or take. Um, 450 loan at 5% interest only is 22 and a bit, right? Um, so give or take, it might cost you a couple of grand a year. Now, if interest rates are 6%, then different story. If they're 4%, even better. So that property might be neutrally geared after tax. Okay. Now, notice we mentioned interest only there and not yeah. principal and interest. So that might be another finance conversation with the mortgage broker, which is, well, A, how much can I borrow? But B, what's my structure look like? Is it P&I if I'm buying my owner rock mm-hmm. and then converting what I did have as my owner rock to interest only to put all that uh, energy into that new owner rock? The question on my lips is if the overall goal here is to – ultimately own an investment property and your own home, right? Because that's kind of where we're going with this. Yep. The question would be, how do I know that what the current property that I own is a good investment property? Like yes. how do I even, like could that money be spent differently and I actually go and make two new purchases from the one sale? Is great, that even yeah, possible? Great question. First thing I would do is A, find out when I bought it. How long have I held that property? What did I pay for it? What's it worth now? Yep. So again, go back to our 700K value. If we bought that five years ago and we bought it for 400000 mm-hmm. it's been a, a good performing mm. property. Will it do – will it perform at that same rate for the next five years? Probably not. But there's enough evidence to suggest that it's been a pretty good asset. Yeah. If you've bought a – property that's for 450 and it's still worth 480 five years later, that's a fair chance that, yeah, you could probably move that on. Yep. Because it, it's sort of one goes with the other, doesn't it? You you buy something that you consider a dud, doesn't go up in value, you've got less money to take out if you sell it. Mm, yep. Um, but then you've got a 450 asset that goes up to 700. You've got a great amount of, of cash to take out, but you don't want to sell it. Correct. Or then my mind goes to with the dud, you know, is the best yet to come? Like, mm. you know, if it hasn't grown three years, a- am I sitting on the verge of it, of it going up? And yeah. with the one that already has gone up significantly, like will will I expect that to continue or not? Like has yeah. have I got the maximum return in this short amount of time and I should cash out on it? Yeah, yeah. No, I hear that. I think um, feels like I'm half doing a clarity call here. <laughs> <laughs> but I think – on that basis, you would see, well, how long have I owned it? Like yep. if it's been two years, really hard to understand that. Mm. But if it hasn't gone up, the dud you're referring to, I would be checking things like um, vacancy rates yep. and supply and demand on that particular asset in that area and, and just getting a feel for, well, it hasn't gone up uh, but it doesn't look like it either because the the vacancies are actually higher than what they were when I bought it sort of thing. Um, I, I'd look at... Maybe the the infrastructure and and the what's happening in the area is the things that are going to actually change the the worth of this property in a positive manner. Yeah, and if not, where should I be? You know, looking at other options. Should I up and leave it? 
Yeah. And maybe even, you know, start again. Yeah, that's right. Which is for those that bought their first home uh, with first homeowner concessions, the impact on that is far less because they probably didn't pay stamp duty. They maybe put down a small deposit, maybe didn't even pay LMI. So they're, they're not really, it's not as, as much as if um, someone paid all of that to begin with. But yeah, we, it's, a, it's a, a clunky beast that you just don't want to continue to buy and sell, do you? No, and you, you need to understand what it means to buy right. Mm. And sometimes that is having experts in your corner. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes it's actually the ability to admit that you made a mistake. You know, some people hold on to properties because they don't want to actually, like they're holding on to the hope that, yeah, it will yeah. grow, like property always goes up. There but there is a chance that you could have bought something that just won't go that well and you could, you know, offload it and mm. do better. Yeah, totally. And, and we'll take a break in a minute, but I think, yeah, that time frame is is really important. Like if you've got something that's been sitting there for eight to ten years and it's gone up thirty or fifty grand, like it's a dud. Yeah, the next ten years, it's not going anywhere. Uh, in my mind, anyway. So I think yeah, understand how long it's uh, you've owned that property, the performance on it, um, and and then make an assessment from there. All right, we'll take a break and then we'll thrash that out in more detail soon. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. We also have a panel of trusted mortgage brokers we can connect you with to get you into your first home, an investment property purchase, or to review your current loan if you don't have a broker. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. 
hopefully we're saving money as well as paying our mortgage. So that's continually offsetting our bad debt essentially. So if we've gone ahead and bought our owner rock, our upgrade owner rock, and we've had the ability to, to keep our original owner occupied, it's now an investment property, that finance structure really needs to be looked at. Mm-hmm. So I would 90% of the time say, if I can get that to interest only, I would. Yeah. Because one, it, it increases the cash flow on that particular property. It's not a burden on me. Um, two, the principal on that as I pay it down is not tax deductible because I'm paying down the loan. It's not a, a uh, an expense as such. Um, and it allows me to pay down that new owner rock quicker. Is it difficult to go from P&I to then interest only in that situation? I actually personally haven't, haven't had any experience with it. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> you go do some convincing to the bank or have a good broker? Yeah, both. both. Yeah. Because <laughs> what they're saying is, which is sort of weird, but I get it. It's like, well, okay, you're telling me that you want to go to interest-only repayments only Mm -hmm. and they say you can't afford that. Right. But I can afford P&I, so how can I not afford interest-only? Because what's happening is it's saying, well, you're not paying down that loan Mm -hmm. and they're maybe assessing it on 25 years instead of 30 years. Right, okay. So there's a whole lot of back-end calculations going on in bank world. Yep. Um, so what you need to show is is higher servicing. So you might have bought that property five years ago and you're on 70 grand and now you're on 120 grand hypothetically. Okay, you've got a stronger chance now of, of converting that back to interest only. Um, but again, the timing of things and the order in which we do things is really important. You might decide to change it over to interest only before you buy your owner rock. Because once you buy your owner rock, your servicing reduces plummets. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a very good point. So again, a strategic mortgage broker will, will navigate the way through that for you. Um, but telling them is the first step of that. Yeah. <laughs> so hang on, I just bought my owner rock now. Okay, well, why didn't we do that? Okay, now that's passed. I'm just stuck paying P&I. And I had that exact example uh, two days ago doing a clarity call with someone. They've bought three properties. Yep. Um, two in Queensland, one in Victoria, and they're all PI. None of them are their owner rock, and they want to buy their owner rock next year, but they can't service another loan. Right. But they also can't convert their properties from PI to interest only because they can't service that either, weirdly so enough, because they, of the bank situation. What do they do? Correct. That's why we had a clarity call. Oh. Um, <laughs> what was the outcome of the clarity call? <laughs> now, they're basically backed into the corner where they have to sell a property. Yeah. Which Could makes they sense. have avoided selling the property if they were only interest only to begin with on all three properties or at least one or one. two of them? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we have to grab the lowest hanging fruit and saying, well, back to our conversation before, are we selling the best performing asset <laughs> that gives us the most cash? Yes. Or are we selling the worst dud that won't go up in value, but we're extracting less cash? Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. I think that just speaks to the value of understanding strategy from the get-go, right? Right from like, the get-go. They've obviously done well having three properties yep. but a slight tweak in structure. Changes everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah big time. And um, yeah, usually we're going to go and sell the best performing asset because it's giving us the best cash Yeah. Um, to, to form a deposit on that, on, on that owner rock. 
So in a best case scenario, if we are going to hold our first uh, our first home as an investment, yep. as you touched on, we want to get that flipped over to an interest only loan if we can before we go and make our upsizing purchase. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So that's best case scenario and then that allows us to have that all set up. We know what our payments are. We've got a prospective um, idea of rental return based on some appraisals and we're gearing up to get that ready. What I want to touch on is what else do we need to think about to get ready in making that now an investment property? Yeah. So before we uh, switch to that, one thing I want to touch on with that is if we're on a squillion dollars, mm-hmm. let's pay P&I on the whole lot sure. and and pay down all debts, right? Yep. But I still I still would put a focus towards paying on paying down our bad debt much long uh, quicker before our our good debt as such. Yes, yes. Right. I, I think if we are converting it to an investment property, we need to understand logistically is there any maintenance issues? that we need to attend to. So do we need to spend five grand on it or 10,000 or whatever doing things up or do we just leave it as is because we're getting a tenant in? Um, so we, we want to keep, we, we want to have the upkeep of the property. Generally speaking, if it's been our owner rock, it should be in reasonable condition. It should be, but you must be familiar with the laws of what the minimum standards are. Yes, that's you don't right. actually have to have them for your own home, but you do for an investment property. No, that's right. And in your beautiful state of Victoria, mm. those standards have increased dramatically in the last they 12 have. months, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, correct. So things like heating, mm. uh, things like the electricals. Yeah. Um, particularly if your property is an older property, it might need to be rewired. Yes. Um, there's quite a few measures in place and every state's different. But yeah, it's a serious consideration because yeah. you might have a bit of upfront cost, not just to make it look nice, but to actually make it compliant. Yeah, that's <laughs> is, right. Yeah. yeah. And, and property management companies are really big on this and they don't want to get their knuckles wrapped over. Mm. So they're going to make sure that you, you comply with that, like window locks and Correct. Know, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, yeah so making it compliant yep. and addressing any maintenance issues, mm-hmm. but not overcapitalizing to the point where we want to make it nice and homely for someone. Correct. Mm. Yeah. We make it nice when we want to sell it. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Now, Again, this is something that we probably, we would be thinking of two or three years in advance if we know or knew, we would be not paying down any more of the loan because a lot of people make extra repayments, Mm -hmm. not sitting in the offset. They actually make more repayments onto the loan uh, into what would be a redraw facility essentially. So getting that back out for our new owner, Ock, is very messy from a tax perspective, okay? So my suggestion there would be if we know two or three years in advance, don't make any more repayments than we need to, just have it sitting in the offset account so it's still doing its thing, offsetting the interest, but we've just got it there to be able to pull back out as we need. Physical cash. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we like. Yeah, so there's the finance side of it and then the uh, compliance, maintenance side of things are probably the two main ones, aren't they? Yeah, and then probably just getting ready to rent it, you know, i.e. property manager, yep. vacate clean, that you know, that sort of admin stuff that gets done when you go and also, you know, advertising and all the rest of it. 
yeah, actually yeah. having it prepared for rental. And actually with that, it could be like if you're not wedded to a certain time frame, it could be also trying to understand when the vacancy rates are at their lowest Yes. Um, to get, you know, some properties do rent better in certain areas in the summertime. Yeah. So, yeah, understanding and having a good property manager who's got data to show you when would be a good time to put it on the market is also an advantage because it could be the difference in, you know, maybe 20, 30 bucks extra a week. Yeah, totally. And and we're recording now week before Christmas. Yeah. So very hard to find a tenant <laughs> a week before Christmas. So logistically what's happening at that time of year. Um, yeah, so navigate your way through. Are you buying? Are you renting? Are you moving back home? As well as tenant, when could would they prefer to move in? Um, start of the school year, all those sort of things. Now, the, the big one with renting out your home is your emotions around that. It's like, well, I've lived this in this home for five years. I've made it my own. It is my own. I've painted the walls. I've, I've spruced the garden up. Now someone that I don't know is going to come and live in it. Mm. So the whole decision around turning your PPR into an investment might hinge around do I want someone living in that house? Yeah. Or do I have the ability to compartmentalise that that's now an investment property? Yeah. And I'll have another home. Yeah, that's right. You know, mm. it is tricky though because particularly when it's your first, you always take real care, you know. You've probably done some updates of some sort. Yes. You've got the special things you love about the place. You can't expect someone else to take the care that you would. No. When they're renting it. No. 80, 20, 80% of what you'd expect yourself. Um, but yeah, tough one and you might not be able to overcome that which means you're ruled out and you just simply sell that property. Yeah. I think in all this, it's understanding the pros and cons and just oh, yeah. clearly thinking it out and not just going, well, this is what I'm going to do and mm-hmm. then look back in five years and say, oh, I actually didn't know that that was an option. It would always be better thinking out loud as well about when you flip it if um, you were moving to a different, completely different area. Like I feel like yes. if I was a homeowner and then I've now got someone renting my place, even though I've gone and bought something else or renting something else, it'd be so tempting to drive past, you know, the front door, just check in. <laughs> Hey, Have going? they mowed the lawns? Yeah. Oh, they're that's... looking after my precious gem. Yeah, they've dug out my frangipani. <laughs> <laughs> like just set and forget, yeah, you yeah. know. Like I think that would be very hard if you were um, living in the same neighbourhood, totally upsizing the same neighbourhood. Yeah. And, and conversely, you may not want to become a small business owner, mm. which is essentially what running an investment property is. Like you, you're not day-to-day in the trenches but you you need to be treating it like a, a, a small business. Indeed, mm. yeah. Anything else that we need to touch upon there in respect to transitioning out or actually making a decision of do or don't I? think not so much about the decision of whether to do it or not but then my mind more so goes to the next step of the upsize or the change into the next property is just trying to have some key takeaways of what you learnt in the initial process and what mistakes to avoid in the next purchase. Like what you would do differently having lived through it once. The second time, what would you do, you know? Uh, Are there things you learnt about your property specifically 
that you don't want to see in the next one? Are there things that you love that you definitely want to see in the next one? I think um, with the benefit of experience and also hindsight, your second purchase should be a pretty solid one. Yeah, yeah. It's not your first rodeo, is it? Mm. You can you can look at it strategically and say, I don't want to do that again or I don't yep. want this facing um, south or north or whatever it might be. Yeah, correct. Yeah. All the features that you would like to see, you can make a bit more of a thorough yeah. list of what you're after of non-negotiables uh, and move forward. And also I think generally speaking, that next purchase is a longer term option. So it's also making sure that it's the right decision. Yeah. 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 Yeah, because it's upgrade for a reason. Mm. It's it's either better location or better asset. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, I think when when you look back in, in five years' time, you know that you haven't been forced to sell something because you just like – put your head in the sand and didn't know the numbers. Uh, but I think in, in summary, the first place for me would be a meeting with your mortgage broker mm-hmm. before you actually jump ship to say, right, what's the value of this property? Uh, what's my borrowing capacity to upgrade? And and then understand, right, rental appraisal from property manager, this is the running costs of that property if it is an investment, right? And I've got a cool property analyzer calculator that, that does all that for you. So that'll be in the show notes. We can throw that in there. But once you know the numbers, the numbers don't lie. So if it's costing you five grand a year to hold that property and it's five grand that you haven't got, unfortunately, unless you're upgrading your employment or getting some money from somewhere, you're going to have to sell that property. Yeah. It's got to be logical. Mm-hmm. It's got to make sense. And you're right. Numbers don't lie. So knowing those numbers, do an assessment from there. And then probably the final piece on this, and I know we're all property geeks here, but what other assets do we want to invest in going forward? So do we want to be too heavy in property, dare I say? Oh, look out. Wow. Is there such thing? I, don't, I, I, I hear there is. <laughs> I, I haven't... Has anyone, <laughs> has anyone reached the limit? The limit does not exist. The limit. Yeah. Well... Why I say that is, well, okay, if this property is going to cost me, let's say, five grand a year to hold as an investment property, Mm -hmm. but I actually want to put five grand towards salary sacrificing. Yeah. Right. Or I I want to diversify into ETFs or something like that. Yeah. Right. I just need to add that in just so that I'm a bit more diversified in my thinking. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Yeah. And have the choice and, and sort of spread your eggs in multiple baskets as well, hey? Yes, because yeah. um, if one egg goes rotten, the others usually follow when mm-hmm. they're close by. Yeah. Well, I hope that's given people food for thought. It's even made me think a bit more logically, particularly uh, around I think the key takeaway is speaking to your mortgage broker earlier, early in the process to understand if you can convert from P&I to interest only mm. on your current property before you go out buying something else because that's, that's a big one. Yeah. There could be a lot of saving in that. Totally. And and I meet so many people that just are black and white principal and interest on everything. And and that's that's great. You're paying down debt, which we all want to do, but it's where you apportion that principal payments and, and just understanding your lifestyle choices. What do you want in the next five to ten years? And is all of that principal repayments on our investment going to impact our ability to take the kids to Disneyland or, or whatever it might be, yeah. Lifestyle. Yeah. Got to have a balance. You do need a balance, yeah. So, all right. 
Good yarn. Hopefully we got some benefit from that. Uh, as always, feel free to reach out if you need anything. Um, go and give us a review if you think we're worthy. You are worthy, John. You are worthy of a review. There's no, there's no <laughs> iron team. We're there's both a... worthy of a review. Please give us one. Yes. No, <laughs> correct. All right. We'll, uh, we'll chat to you soon. Indeed. Bye. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Money Professional, My Millennial Career, My Millennial Money, My Millennial Daily and Retire Right. Find these wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 451-289.